once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters box. It's bangthebook.com's MLB and KBO betting podcast for Monday, June 29th. I am your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the betters box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Still doing that daily KBO article for the next week or two over at bangthebook.com. Even when I stop doing the article to focus on all the other sports that are coming up here, I will still be updating that bullpen spreadsheet, my bullpen report, which is linked every day in that KBO article. So I would highly suggest that if you haven't already, go ahead and bookmark that because once that article's done, uh, that link, you'll have to ask me for it either via email or on Twitter So I would highly recommend bookmarking that link now because I'll only be doing that KBO article probably for the next week or two here. Just, you know, we're going to get to a point where a lot of things are going on. And again, this week, golf with the Rocket Mortgage Classic, NASCAR, the Brickyard 400, and the Pennzoil 150. The Xfinity Series race, the Pennzoil 150 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. On the road course, the NASCAR Cup Series race on the Oval. So, Two very different races here for NASCAR coming up this weekend. Massive UFC 251 card at Fight Island over in Abu Dhabi. Three title fights scheduled for that card. Hopefully we get all of them. Hopefully we don't get any positive cases or any other sort of hiccups. But big week for golf, NASCAR, and UFC. I'll be doing some more Major League Baseball content. Probably some schedule analysis stuff once those schedules are actually released. And of course, you know, got to get ready for the NBA, ready for the NHL, maybe do some series preview type stuff, things of that sort. So we'll be doing everything we can over at bangthebook.com for all the sports that are upcoming here at the tail end of July. And of course, too, you know, things looking pretty good right now, knock on wood, for the NFL and the college football seasons. So got a lot of prep work to do with that as well. So going to be very busy times here for me over at bangthebook.com. But as everybody knows, that's nothing new for me. So looking forward to getting into talking about some of the more traditional betting markets, some of the stuff that I know a lot of people have a lot of interest in. So keep it tuned right over there at the website. We'll have plenty coming your way here in the not-too-distant future. Didn't have any Monday mailbag questions sent to me today. So instead, I've got a lot of questions of my own for today's show here as we ease back into the work week and definite easing back into the work week for me had about 28 beers over the weekend I think on the span of about 50 hours or so and of course you got to factor sleep into the equation there too so had a great weekend I was able to stay away from social media which these days is an absolute blessing um you know for those that uh and not to go off on a tangent here, but obviously these last few months have, have been brutal. You know, you, you had all the protests, you had all the coronavirus stuff, you've got a lot of, uh, we'll call it political discourse, for lack of a better term out there, on social media. And, you know, hey, whatever side you're on with everything that's going on, that's up to you. But it was really nice to spend maybe 20 minutes looking at Twitter this weekend Great mental health break to kind of get away from all of it. Obviously not pretend that it doesn't exist, but just get away from, you know, everybody's opinions, everybody's thoughts, everything that's going on. Uh, I highly recommend that, especially as we head on into the July 4th holiday here uh, coming up next weekend. 
If you've been having a tough time mentally, delete the app from your phone for the weekend. Just get away from it, man. It helped me a lot this past weekend. On you know, I'm going to do the same thing next weekend, trying to stay away from it as much as I possibly can. I know there's a lot of news. I know there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of discussion about the different sporting events that are happening. I fully understand that, but man, it did a whale of good to not be sitting there looking at Twitter, refreshing the timeline, all that kind of thing. So if you get that chance here this week or this weekend, man, do I highly recommend that. In any event here, uh, Major League Baseball, I've just got some additional thoughts of my own here on this restart plan. And as of right now, we're still waiting for schedules to be released. They're still working on a lot of things behind the scenes, too. Things like vesting player options. Uh, you know, obviously, there's still plenty of service time considerations, all that type of thing. But I just have some additional thoughts here. And one of them is that the 60-man rosters were released out there that haven't released anything yet, but or at least haven't released anything, you know, publicly yet. I'm sure they sent everything they needed to over to Major League Baseball. But it's a really interesting setup here because you've got players that will be training and preparing for the season at the major league facility, and then teams that will be training at a nearby minor league park. And it's really interesting to take a look at, you know, what these teams have done. Because, again, obviously, you know, you've got probably 40 to 50 guys in major league camp, something like that. But then you have all the prospects on the backfields. And with no minor league baseball this season, some teams have had to make some interesting decisions on – who they're going to have where with these 60-man rosters. And what will ultimately happen a little what is about uh, about three weeks from now, four weeks from now, when the season actually gets underway, teams will have a 30-man roster. And then they'll have a 30-man taxi squad where they're going to have you know different players they can call up, stuff like that, guys that are just kind of working out, all those types of things. So what was really interesting to me was to see some of the prospect decisions that were made with these 60-man rosters. And again, these guys aren't going to be around the Major League Club the whole time. But you, know, you want to try to keep an eye on some of your guys. You want to try to you know, do whatever you can with simulated games, keep them close to the Major League facility, stuff like that. So when you look around at this here, what's going to be really interesting is the players that will be available for the entire season. Because you're going to walk into situations here this year where maybe a team starts you know, 10 and 25 or, you know, 5 and 20, something like that. Well, at that point in time, in this format, you don't have time to play catch-up. You only have 60 games, so you better start, you know, at least 500 or better to give yourself a chance. So what's invariably going to happen here is that by the time we get to September, some of these teams will start using these prospects. Some of these teams will start trying to take a look at these guys either in – a spot start capacity or low leverage or have them around the team, you know, to be that pinch runner in the 10th inning or to maybe just get a few swings here and there. So that's something that's going to be really interesting to follow as the season goes along. The teams that aren't playing for anything, how do they structure this? How do they set this up? And I talked last week about season win totals and about some of my thoughts with those. This has to be a big consideration now. Because it, this is already going to be a lost season for a lot of organizations. In particular, the teams that aren't very good, 
they wanted their players to develop at their double A, triple A affiliates, maybe get that September call up or after the Super Two deadline, something like that. Well, now the only option for those players is to participate in some semblance of these 60 games. So you're going to have teams that later on in the year may go with a youth movement. And it's also difficult, too, because you have to acquiesce to the wishes of the players that are on your major league roster, the guys that are up for contracts and want to make money. So I don't envy these front offices this year. A lot of very tough, very personal decisions will have to be made late in the year. And that's going to be something that's going to be kind of interesting to watch, especially with the labor negotiations coming up, all the strife between the two sides already. You know, what happens there? What happens with that? This is going to be almost a powder keg, you know, because a lot of things could explode in a lot of different ways. And that's assuming that we don't get, you know, a massive outbreak of cases where, you know, things have to be put on hold, things have to be canceled, stuff like that. But just specifically from a player personnel standpoint here, the Yankees, right? Guys like Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt, the Rays, Shane Baz, Wander Franco, the top prospect in all of baseball, 19 years old, he's going to be around the team. Do the Rays, who are a very progressive organization to begin with, do they give him a chance to get, you know, 50 plate appearances over the last week, week and a half? If something happens and they're not in the running, do they use him anyway? The Blue Jays, Nate Pearson, he may be in their starting rotation right from the jump. They're not, they weren't expected to be a primary contender this year. So why not use him as one of your five starters every, every, you know, week? That could be an option for them. Most of the top system prospects are on the Jays 60 man roster That's not necessarily the case. A lot of teams are like that, but the Blue Jays are one where they've taken all their top prospect guys. So that's an interesting situation. The Tigers may be the most interesting because their rotation is not very good, but all of their top pitching prospects are on their 60-man roster, and several of these guys may end up making the team. Guys like Casey Mize, Tarek Skubel, uh, Matt Manning, Uh, Alex Fado, they've got guys that are probably better than what they have in-house outside of Matt Boyd and maybe a healthy Michael Fulmer. So the Tigers may go full-fledged youth movement, try to get something that looks like a year of development out of their young starting pitchers. The Indians, Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones is going to have to be with this ball club when they trade Francisco Lindor. They'll probably move Jose Ramirez to short for the time being. Uh, Maybe he plays second. I don't know. But Nolan Jones, he may be an opening day third baseman for the Indians in 2021. Tyler Freeman, another pretty good middle infield prospect. George Valera, one of their top outfield prospects. If the Indians go in the tank and they've been a slow starter during the Terry Francona years, do they trade Lindor? And with this abbreviated season, do they bring some of these younger guys up? Possibly. The Royals. They're probably not going anywhere, even in a 60-game sprint, and they're still probably not going to be a very good team. Bobby Witt Jr., Brady Singer, do these guys get some extended playing time? That's a possibility. For the Angels, Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, a couple of outfielders for them, a team that has been desperate to find offense over the last few years. 
They get Anthony Rendon now. They still have Mike Trout, obviously. Shohei Otani is back. This offense is looking a lot better, but maybe a guy like Adele can work his way in, play left field, something like that. Maybe a guy like Brandon Marsh, same thing. The Angels, see, that's the difference here. You want to look at the composition of these rosters. The Angels, the Astros, they don't have a lot of great prospects anymore. They've got some good ones. Most of their guys already in the big leagues. Forrest Whitley hasn't been healthy. In a 60-game sprint like this where he could be maybe a high-leverage or mid-leverage reliever, maybe that's a good thing for them. So teams like the Angels, the Astros, you know, the Yankees, the Rays, the Indians, they're able to use these prospects to kind of supplement the roster a little bit. Whereas a team like the Blue Jays, they're going to be better, I think, because they made a lot of transactions over the offseason. But it makes sense for them to have a lot of their top prospects because if things go awry, they can evaluate what they've got. Mariners, all of their top prospects are on hand. So that's another team where you know they're probably going to play a very young lineup, especially as we get deeper into this thing. These things have an impact on those season-long bets, and not even just with that team's specific win total. But again, remember, every team within the division is playing 10 games against a division opponent. That's one-sixth of the games that you're playing. If the Mariners or the Blue Jays or the Tigers or something go with this full-fledged youth movement, you know, in September, when they've already played, you know, 30 games and found out that they're not going anywhere, that impacts all the teams within that division, depending on how the schedule is set up. So that could be a factor here from a win total standpoint. Say, you know, let's say that the Twins, for example, wind up playing the Tigers and Royals, you know, 14 combined times in September. Well, that's huge for them. So maybe the Twins are a futures candidate for the World Series or the AL pennant, something like that. You know, maybe the way that the schedule is structured could have a big impact based on the situation's of these individual teams. You know, a team like the Braves, for example, again, one of those teams that's just supplementing their roster with guys like Christian Pache, guys like Drew Waters, all the starting pitchers that they have, Ian Anderson, some of those other guys. Those are guys that are really MLB caliber already and already have, in some instances, gotten a look. They're not a team that in September would be looking to play for the future. They're a team when September rolls around that they can use these guys to give guys days off for the second for the you know base runner and extra innings, all the pitching depth that they have. They've got a lot of options. The Marlins, they they could go young here. Sixto Sanchez, Jazz Chisholm, who they got in the Zach Gallen trade from the Diamondbacks. The Marlins, they could be an interesting team in this format because their pitching is pretty good. And some of their young arms are pretty good too. So they could be kind of dangerous in a spoiler role in September. Cardinals, Dylan Carlson, their outfielder. Cubs, Nico Horner, one of their top hitting prospects. The NL West, the Dodgers, Josiah Gray, Gavin Lux. The Dodgers have just talent everywhere. The Padres, Luis Patino, Mackenzie Gore, Adrian Morjan. The Padres are loaded with pitching because they're still going to have Chris Paddock and Joey Lucchese, and Denilson Lamott, and those guys that were in their rotation last year, 
But now Patino and Gore and Morjan, these are guys that you could use in the bullpen. You could start with them. You could move Diddleson Lambert into high leverage as a reliever, and he could be dominant. You know, the Padres have a lot of upside here in this format. A lot of variance still, but a lot of upside too. The Rockies, Brendan Rodgers, could be their everyday second baseman now. So you'd have Arenado, Story, and Rodgers short or uh, second to third. That could give the Rockies a little bit of a leg up. So all of these guys are names that will matter. And again, if teams start slow or if they're just prepping for the future, and that was the plan all along, again, like I said, it's going to be tough because this is a fine line to walk for all of these front offices because you don't want to you don't want to fracture those relationships with your veteran players but on the other hand your prospects aren't getting 140 innings in the minor leagues this year your prospects aren't getting 500 plate appearances in the minor leagues this year you don't want to lose out on that year of depth or on that year of development excuse me specifically for the guys that are already on your 40-man roster, it's going to cost you a year of service time anyway. So a lot of moving parts here with this on an individual team level overall from a league standpoint. So a lot of these names, names worth knowing, names worth keeping in mind, maybe some rookie of the year candidates like a Nick Solak for the Rangers, something like that. But these front offices will have to make these decisions. And you wonder here too, and I talked about this a little bit, Uh, on the local radio spot I did on Friday, you're a pitcher, right? You're an impending free agent, or maybe you've had some injuries in the past, something like that. Your back hurts. Your neck hurts. You've got some shoulder discomfort. Do you pitch through it with this shortened season? Do you risk further injury going into next year or going into a contract year or something like that? I don't know. So maybe a lot of these young players wind up having a very significant impact, even on the good teams. But you also have to be careful, again, like I said, not to fracture those relationships with your veterans, not to sit them down, because those are guys, yeah, they're making their prorated money this year no matter what, but those are guys that are still looking at future earnings. And then, of course, you've got the future earnings of your prospects. What happens with the arbitration policies in this new cba what happens with the years of control that you will have of a player because right now if you sign an international free agent at 16 or 17 years old you may have that kid for 10 years in your system by the time he actually gets added to the 40 man starts accruing service time stuff like that how does that change with this new cba and if that changes are current players grandfathered in or does it apply to them? So there is some guesswork being done here too, in the sense that, you know, do you hold these guys back, especially the guys that aren't on your 40 man? Do you hold them back this year and not lose that year of service time? A lot of moving parts for these front offices. And again, these are moving parts that could have an impact on us when we're betting on this stuff. In particular, some of the future stuff like season win totals and all those types of things. Individual player awards could be in play here also. So, again, a lot of prospects to know, and I'll talk more about this with each individual team when I start the five and fly segment 
uh, on Thursday. Five minutes on each team across the six divisions here as we get closer to the start of the year. Just so many things to keep under under consideration for betters, for the front offices, for everybody. And also, too, starting pitching prospects, right? Like a Shane Baz for Tampa Bay. You know, or like even a Jesus Lazardo, AJ Puck for the uh, Athletics. Guys that are expected to be in the rotation right now have had a lot of injury setbacks. Are they part of piggybacks? Do they go out there and throw four innings and 60 pitches to kind of keep that workload down but still give them a chance to develop? Openers, piggybacks. Do some of these guys become bulk relievers? You know, the Braves could very easily do that. Maybe a starter goes two innings, the next guy goes five, try and keep you know the bullpen at bay, something like that. This is going to be really tough. These are going to be really tough handicaps. Again, not just from a future standpoint, but on a game-by-game level, too. You know, the extra innings format, right? Runner on second to start things off. So the home team will know what it needs to do. But as a road team, certainly you'd want to score as many runs as possible. And a lot of people have been talking about, well, does the sacrifice bunt come back now? Because you've got that runner on second, you can advance him. Then he scores without you know the benefit of a hit. You're gonna sacrifice fly or you know a tough ground ball, something like that. But road teams will be incentivized to try to score more than one run. So run line betting all of a sudden becomes kind of interesting. And again, it's not like there's gonna be a million extra inning games or something like that. But you know, backing a home team with a minus one and a half, you may not get there in extra innings. And you generally wouldn't anyway. But again, that's kind of a consideration. Does the extra inning format kind of hurt full game run lines? It's it's going to be really interesting. You know, so so many different things in play here. Totals betting. I think totals betting will be subject to a lot of variance. Small sample sizes are subject to a lot of variance to begin with. But these pitchers are going to be all over the place. Some guys will be ready. Some guys won't. Uh, starting pitchers are going to get pulled early. You know, then the bullpen comes into play. And generally speaking, when the bullpen gets in the game, it's a higher strikeout environment. But these guys are also trying to figure out everything, trying to get a feel for everything too. Hitters and their timing. You know, we're not going to have all those spring training games now. A lot of team workouts and sim games and maybe some spring training games the week before the season starts. But... This is going to be different. The preparation, remember, all of these athletes in the professional leagues, all of these athletes are creatures of habit. They know what works for them. They know how to get ready for the season with a traditional spring training. This is anything but traditional. And some of these guys have been staying sharp as much as they can, throwing on playground fields and stuff like that, throwing at different facilities. But that's still not the same. You know, so... What happens with totals betting? Are the pitchers good to go? Are the hitters ahead of the pitchers? I don't know if there's a, a reason to have a lot of pre-flop totals bets. I think maybe you look at live betting, in-game wagering. Who's available in the bullpen? Is it a piggyback? Is it an opener? What kinds of unknowns are there? Totals betting will be really challenging, I think. And also, too, with the starters not really stretched out, and especially over the first two weeks, we got the 30-man roster, Times through the order penalties. You know, we pick on these a lot with first five betting and stuff like that. 
starters may not go a third time through the order for the first two or three weeks, if not more. So that's a factor from a total standpoint as well as a side standpoint. After the first two weeks, rosters go down to 28. Two weeks later, they go down to 26. How does the game morph and change as the roster sizes slim down? Do we get a more traditional format of starters going every fifth day? Do we not get as many piggybacks or four-man rotations? So many moving parts. This is going to be a very difficult baseball season to bet, both sides and totals and, and, and then also futures. I don't know if I'll have a lot of pre-flop bets. So many unknowns. And again, people will bet this because they can and because we've been waiting for things to bet on in more traditional markets. But there are a lot of questions and things that you may not ever get answers to because the sample size is going to be so small. So I think you got to look to be creative. The prop markets, derivative markets, live betting. I think those are the ways that we'll have to try to attack this thing here in Major League Baseball. And finally, one more point before I take a look at the week ahead here in the KBO. Something to keep in mind is that there is going to be a big influx of positive tests coming this week. As these players go back to their respective cities, July 1st, I think, is the report date. As guys get tested, there will be cases. And I know teams have already talked about, but we've had some players that have had it. They've been in isolation. You've got team facilities, stuff like that. But guys are going to come back, and they're going to pop positive tests. It is going to happen. And when it does, those players will be quarantined. And what's going to happen is you're going to get that market reaction. And some of these futures markets will be affected. Win totals will get bumped down. Uh, you know, division and pennant and futures odds will get moved. And look, you know, by and large, these players are, you know, in an age group where they shouldn't have too many, you know, really bad short-term effects. And, you know, who knows about the long-term effects of this illness as everything moves forward. A lot of these guys will be asymptomatic, will have very mild cases, but they're still going to have to be quarantined for 14 days. And if you're a pitcher trying to build up your arm, that's two weeks of not being able to be around the ball club, not being able to be around the organization. And are you going to have throwing partners? You know, are you going to go and throw at some local park? You know, what what are you going to do? Because if you're asymptomatic or you're very mild, you're not going to be feeling that bad. You're going to want to try and ramp up for the season still. But you can't be around anybody. Even hitters. That's two weeks of not facing live pitching. Two weeks of not really being able to get your timing down. So when this big influx of positive tests comes through this week, and it will, the futures market will be impacted. So... I don't really know how I'm going to look to handle that because like I said, I'm not interested in playing a lot of futures this early in the process anyway for this very reason. Who will test positive? Not just now, but maybe the guys testing positive had it a few days prior and they were around some teammates and then those teammates sometime over the next seven to 10 days or whatever, they test positive. This is going to happen. 
And Major League Baseball knows this, and the Players Association knows this too. So I imagine they've come up with something that makes sense for them in terms of handling this scenario. But from a betting standpoint for us, it leaves a lot of gray area and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknown. But the futures market will move. We know the court of public opinion, perception bias, recency bias, all of these things have an impact on the betting odds. And when you start to get those stories of not only that teams are dealing with cases, but the individuals who have it, assuming teams do release that information, that's really going to dictate what happens with the futures market and the odds that are out there. So this will happen. Don't be surprised by it at all. It's a matter of you know which teams are impacted, which players are affected, and you know what sorts of impact that has on the betting market. So again, a lot more questions than answers to say the least. So maybe it's kind of fitting that this was you know supposed to be a Monday mailbag show that I'm just asking and trying to answer all these questions because the fact of the matter is we don't have a lot of answers at this point in time. And maybe things kind of settle down and smooth out a little bit as the games actually get played. But man, from a future standpoint, very, very difficult to get too involved. I mean, I think you look at low overs and high unders because, again, best case scenarios for these teams are going to be few and far between as far as I'm concerned. So again, on Thursday, we'll start with the five and fly. It'll be AL East on July 2nd. AL Central, July 6th, AL West, July 9th, NL East, July 13th, NL Central, July 16th, NL West, July 20th. So we'll do the five and flies, and then we'll have opening day there on on July 23rd. We'll have a show on Thursday talking about opening day, and uh, again, maybe by then we'll have a little bit of a clearer picture on what we can expect. So like I said, I still want to try to cover the KBO a little bit here. We'll still be trying to do the daily article. It won't get done next weekend. I can tell you that right now. But still trying to do the daily article on weekdays here for the next week or two. Um, you know, I, I don't want to completely abandon this market. But, you know, for those that have read the article, I'm not betting on it anymore. I'm just throwing out some information, kind of breaking down games. At this point in time, I want to focus on MLB, NFL, college football. And, of course, still writing all the golf, NASCAR, UFC stuff. So KBO is definitely taking a back seat here. Just to throw out some thoughts on these series for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we've got Hanwa at Kia, KT at LG, Lata at NC, Dusan at Kiwum, and then finally SK at Samsung. Hanwa and Kia is a pretty interesting series here. 11.6 runs per game have been scored at Kia's home ballpark this season. Kia with 6.3, opponents with 5.3. And when you look at this Hanwha team, and we talked about it a little bit last week on the show here, they've only scored three runs per game at home. They've scored over four runs per game on the road. So they've been a decent road team, at least relative to what they've done at home here. Again, obviously still the worst offense in the KBO, but over a run per game higher on the road. Kia, they score a lot of runs at home, 6.3, not a lot of runs on the road. They score under four runs per game on the road so maybe this is an over series a little bit here where Hanwa again a much better road offense Kia a much better home offense 
Looking at some of the pitchers going here, the first game, Im Ki Young for Kia, and then Jang Shi Wan for Hanwa. Im Ki Young hasn't pitched since June 20th. The Kia series against Lata had a couple of rainouts. They wound up skipping him then. So he's very well rested here. We'll see if that affects him because he was in a pretty decent groove. Jang Shi Wan, pretty good start last time out. His best start of the season, actually, I believe. Still a 621 ERA, still a 2.07 whip. Has a little bit of a home run issue. A lot of strikeouts, a lot of walks. He doesn't work deep into games. That'll bring the Hanwha bullpen into the equation here pretty early on Tuesday. But something interesting about Hanwha this season, they are minus 28 in home run differential at home. They've hit nine. They've given up 37. They're minus 28 in home run differential at home. On the road, oddly enough, they're only minus three. So Hanwha has been a much better road team across the board. Now, Kia will be facing big favorite prices in this series and could very well win and could very well cover the run line as just about everybody has against Hanwha. But I think the totals are where you want to look here. I think there is some over potential in this series between Hanwha and Kia. KT on the road at LG here. LG back-to-back shutout wins off of their seven-game skids, maybe riding the ship a little bit. Although, in those two games, they only scored seven runs. So their offense is still in the tank a little bit. But maybe that pitching staff going to kind of figure it out. Maybe that bullpen going to stabilize a little bit. KT does bring a healthy offense here to Jamsville Stadium. But again, a team with some home and road splits. KT, 6.3 runs per game at home, 5.2 runs per game on the road. And this is something that has plagued them on the road because this is a team that doesn't have a good bullpen and doesn't have a very good starting staff. They need to win slugfests. They need to outscore the opposition. They don't win a lot of low-scoring, close games. LG, for a while this season, was pretty good in that role, at least up until the bullpen kind of took a dump here over the last 30 days. But for LG, again, that Jamsil Stadium factor is a big deal. In 27 games at home, they've hit 14 home runs. In 20 games on the road, they've hit 26 home runs. So this is a scenario where LG, much better offense on the road. KT, much better offense at home. So maybe a lower scoring series here is a possibility, despite the fact that both bullpens have kind of struggled. So maybe first five unders would be the way to look here. But it would be Kim Min-Soo and Lee Min-Ho on Tuesday. Lee Min-Ho, the 18-year-old for LG, pitched internationally for them very, very well, might I add. 1.59 ERA, 1.02 whip in his 28 and a third innings to start his KBO career. He's been excellent. Kim Min-Soo has not. So LG will be in a big favorite role here on Tuesday. But again, like I said, these are two teams that you know perform better in other places offensively. So maybe this is a little bit of a lower scoring series, which is obviously dangerous with a healthy KT lineup and their bullpen. But maybe the totals... Uh, won't fully factor in those home road splits for those two teams. Lotta and NC. NC, you know, they, they kind of been cruising along here a little bit, still in first place in the KBO. I don't think this is a spot to fade Mike Wright on Tuesday. The Lotta offense is just not great. They've only hit 32 home runs this season. NC has hit 68. 
Wright has a little bit of a home run issue, but Loth is probably not the team to take advantage. They're not a high slugging percentage offense. So I don't think this is a spot to fade Mike Wright on Tuesday. Wright will be a pretty big favorite here. I believe Wednesday will be Kuchang Mo and Dan Straley. So that will be a total of probably eight, maybe a first five total of four with under juice. Should be a really good pitching matchup on Wednesday. I think that's what we'll see. Kuchang Mo and Dan Straley. Kuchang Mo actually off of a rare bad outing. He did not pitch well against KT last time out. We'll see if he bounces back here. One thing to keep in mind is that with Mike Wright against the domestic pitcher, I believe he's a reliever. It's a bullpen game for a lot on Tuesday, I think. Mike Wright and then Kuchang Mo against Dan Straley. That's a manageable line. But in this series, Lata has a big bullpen advantage. So be wary of the big numbers with NC because Lata, if they can scratch out some runs late, may be able to keep NC at bay. Although this NC offense has just been so dynamic at home and on the road, so much more so than Lata. So tough series to handicap there, I think, where, you know, maybe you 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 may not even get a chance to take Straley against Kuchangmo because the price just might be too low with how good Straley has been for this season. Doosan and Kiwum, very good series here. Number two and number three in the standings coming together. Yuhui Kwan pitches on Tuesday for Doosan. This is a fade opportunity, I think. The Kiwum offense has been very, very good. Kiwum does score more on the road than they do at home. They've scored over six runs per game on the road, 5.2 at home. They've hit 11 more home runs on the road in the same number of games. I think this is a spot to fade Yuhui Kwan, though, against a very good, very talented, patient Kiwum offense. The biggest problem for Kiwum is that they strike out a lot because they work a lot of deep counts. Yuhui Kwan is not a strikeout guy. So I think Kiwum has a lot of success against him on Tuesday. Maybe Kiwum team total over, something like that. There'll be Lee Sung Ho in this game for Kiwum, who's actually gone up against some very good pitchers of late and held his own. Been a huge part of Kiwum's recent success. Now, Doosan... Seven and a half runs per game on the road, 4.6 runs per game at home. They've hit 10 home runs in 20 home games. They've hit 39 home runs in 27 road games. And this is a road spot for Doosan. The Sky Dome where Kiwum plays kind of tilts a little bit to the pitching side, but not as much as James Hill Stadium. So maybe a higher scoring series here. But again, I certainly think the biggest takeaway is a fade of Yuhui Kwan coming up here in Tuesday's game. Finally, SK and Samsung. And, you know, like I said, I mean, with how bad Hanwa's been, they've kind of had all the headlines in terms of futility. SK isn't much better. This SK team is is not very good. The lineup is not good. Park Jong-Hoon, who gets the start on Tuesday, he's given up 18 runs on 21 hits over his last three starts, 581 ERA. So Park Jong-Hoon has regressed. Kim Tae-hoon has regressed. The only guy really carrying this rotation right now, two of them, Lee Gyeon-wook, who again, I think is a massive regression candidate, and Moon Sung-won. Moon Sung-won will get the start on Wednesday, I believe, but he's the guy running an unsustainably high strikeout rate. Hasn't allowed a run in his last 13 innings. Is he just that good? Or are we looking at a spot where maybe it's time for some regression? Because Moon Sung Wan's biggest problem over the last three years has been the home run. 
Even last year with the dead-end baseball, gave up 23 home runs, gave up 24 the year before, 25 the year before that. Only four in his 53 innings this season, but now he goes to Samsung, an improved offense, a good hitter's park specifically for power. I don't like this series for SK at all. Not only that, they're going to face Choi Che Hyung, who is a guy who was on my watch list coming into the year. They'll face David Buchanan. They'll face Juan Tae In. Samsung is in a very good spot here, not only to win this series, but to potentially sweep it. They get through that Moonsung Wan game. They should wind up with the sweep here. SK is just not a good team. And they're not priced like Hanwa. They're not as bad as Hanwa, but they're quite bad. We could end up seeing some manageable Samsung lines here in this series. So I do like Samsung a little bit as they host SK. Coming up on Tuesday, we'll chat Rocket Mortgage Classic and NASCAR with Brian Blessing of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Thursday, it'll be the five and fly for the AL East. Five minutes on each of the five teams. And then I'll do the same thing here, taking a look at the weekend ahead in the KBO. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.